the story again and again same story different faces watched different ears listened i told them everything well almost everything the video recorder on a gentle whirring the only noise in the room once i finished my statement you might have to go to court you know that right you're the only witness one of the detectives said. Another asked, do you think it's safe for us to send her home if what she's saying is true? The chief inspector in charge replied, we'll have a team assembled in a matter of hours, then turned to me and said, nothing's going to happen to you. It already has, I wanted to reply. Everything moved quickly after that, it had to. I was dropped off at the school gates in an unmarked car in time for pickup, in time for her to pick me up. She would be waiting with her demands, recently more urgent than usual. Two in the last six months. Two little boys. Gone. Act normal, they said. Go home. We're coming for her. Tonight. The slow grind of the clock above my wardrobe. Tick, tock, tick. And they did. They came. The middle of the night, the element of surprise in their favour, a nearly imperceptible crunching on the gravel outside. I was downstairs by the time they forced their way through the door. Shouting. A tall, thin man dressed in plain clothes, unlike the others. A string of commands sliced through the air of our living room. You, take upstairs. You, in there. You two take the cellar. You, you, you. A tidal wave of blue uniforms scattered throughout our house. Guns held in praying hands, flat against their chests. The thrill of the search along with the terror of the truth etched in equal measure on their faces. And then, you, dragged from your room, a red crease of sleep visible down your cheek, eyes foggy with the adjustment from a state of rest to a state of arrest. You said nothing. Even when your face was mashed into the carpet, your rights read out their knees and elbows pressed in your back. Your nighty rode high up your thighs. No underwear. The indignity of it all. You turned your head to the side, faced me. Your eyes never left mine. I read them with ease. You said nothing to them, yet everything to me. I nodded. But only when no one was watching... Chapter Two New Name New Family Shiny New Me My foster dad Mike's a psychologist, an expert in trauma. So is his daughter Phoebe, although more in the causing than the healing. Saskia, the mother. I think she's trying to make me feel at home, although I'm not sure. She's very different from you, Mummy, skinny and vacant. Lucky, 
the staff at the unit told me while I waited for Mike to come. What a fantastic family the Newmonts are, and a place at Weatherbridge. Wow, wow, wow. Yes, I get it. I should feel lucky. But really, I'm scared. Scared of finding out who and what I might be. Scared of them finding out, too. A week ago now, Mike came to collect me, toward the end of the summer holidays. My hair brushed neat, pulled back in a band. I practiced how to speak, should I sit or stand. Every minute that went by, when the voices I heard weren't his, the nurses instead, sharing a joke, I became convinced he and his family had changed their minds, come to their senses. I stood rooted to the spot, waiting to be told, sorry, you won't be going anywhere today. But then he arrived.